it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the LET Golf Podcast. I'm George Cooper here with Nicola Kenton and it's a big week. It's the Solheim Cup team reveal. So who better to have joining us than the one and only Leona Maguire. Leona, how are you doing? Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for joining us. Obviously, the news is now out. You're one of eight qualifiers and one of 12 team members for Suzanne's extraordinary team really just just you know give us your immediate reaction yeah I mean obviously delighted to to be a part of my second team I think last time went as bad as well as it possibly could have so um I think it's it's a, it's obviously a really really strong team and um Suzanne has a wealth of experience behind her as sort of with Laura and and Carolyn there in the and Anna in the in the backroom team as well so I think um yeah everyone's really excited and um it's it's only four weeks away now. It seems a long way away, but I'm sure the the weeks will fly in, and I think we all can't wait to get started. Yeah, likewise for us too. And I mean, so Suzanne obviously revealed her four captains pick yesterday. Um, just just give us your immediate reaction to that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, she definitely went with experience. Obviously, um, Madeline's been there before. Emily's been there before. Carol has has one of the best records in, in Solheim Cup. Um, going five and oh and and been only one of the few players to do that and then obviously Gemma's been been playing great lately so nice to see her get the nod as as a rookie as well so um yeah I think we've got a we've got a great mix in the team it's there's there's some really strong rookies I think Lynn and Maya don't really seem like rookies and um I think that's been a strength of ours over the the past few editions of the solo my rookies haven't played like rookies so hopefully that uh that trend can continue <laughs> Yeah, you sure showed that last time out. And I mean, I think I heard you joke earlier in the year that you were going to have to scrub up when you're Swedish because we have such a so many Swedes in the team. I mean, five coming in, like you say, Lynn, Maya, Caroline, Anna and Madeline. Um, just tell us what do you think the vibe's going to be like in that team? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's I think we all always get along so well. I think um, that was that was one thing I noticed from the last time. There was nothing sort of staged or rehearsed about it. We all just got along so well. We didn't need to do any extra like team bonding activities or trips or or anything like that so hopefully this time's no different I think we all we all know each other so well we we play practice rounds together we go to dinner together we have lunch together every other week so um there's no reason for it to be any any different this time around and um yeah obviously a very Scandinavian team this time half, half the team being, being Scandinavians but I think that just speaks to the the strength of European golf right now they've they've become a powerhouse and um yeah, I think uh, lots of potential options for, for pairings and, and things like that. So, yeah, exciting times. Yeah, for sure. And I know you can't give too much away, um, but is there anyone like in particular like, yeah, I really, really want to play with them? I think that's the beauty about this team. I think nearly anybody can play with anybody. Um, and I suppose that's the thing with Solo Cup. Suzanne, Suzanne's the boss. I'm sure she has <laughs> a few tricks up her sleeve. But, uh, I mean, I think it's going to be like last time. I think you have to go in with a very open mind of... Um, uh, willing to play with anybody for for any format and it's a case of everybody's just going to have to knuckle down and do whatever needs to be done and then um, I suppose last time I had no clue that I'd been playing with Mel and that, that that would be such a successful pairing so who knows maybe Suzanne might have another few of those up her sleeve this time. Yeah I'm sure she will and obviously coming in with such a fantastic record from last time um, somewhat the MVP uh, getting four and a half points like how much confidence does that bring you personally now going into this Solheim? 
Yeah, lots of confidence. Obviously, it's it's going to be a very different uh, sort of setting and everything this time, playing in front of home fans. So that'll be cool to be able to experience that. It almost feels like kind of like a rookie all over again, but but not quite. Having the added confidence from last time obviously helps. But um, yeah, there's there's still going to be a lot of new things this time. So I think I think the biggest thing is just to to go out and enjoy it and be be incredibly open minded and and not afraid to ask questions. I think that was that was the big thing I took from last time not being afraid to to ask why we're doing what we're doing um how does this work things like that from the older players i think carlotta and mel and, and anna were huge in that regard last time so um i would imagine carlotta and anna will play sort of a, a similar role and, and caro as well um with their experience for for some of the younger members on the team this time yeah definitely and just final one for me then i know you've had a chance to get out to think haven't you and had a look at it what do you make of the course how's it shaping up how's it going to suit us just tell us a bit about thinker yeah, it's it's a big golf course. I think it it kind of suits longer hitters a little bit. Big big greens, big golf course. It's it's fairly wide open off the tee, um, for a for a Spanish course. So I know Suzanne has a lot of choices to make in terms of of setup and how do you want the rough and the greens and and all that sort of thing. But um, I th- I think it'll be interesting. It'll be nice to see it played differently depending on foursomes or four balls and and things like that. I think you'll see some holes set up a little bit differently, and then obviously. Probably one of the main talking points is being being that first hole being drivable over the water. So that would make it nice and dramatic for, for opening tee shots for all the crowd gathered around the first tee. Absolutely. And on the podcast, we like to delve back into people's journeys of how they got into golf. <laughs> so Leona, how did you get into the sport of golf? Yeah, I um, started when I was about nine or ten with, with my twin sister, Lisa. We grew up doing everything together, playing sort of all sorts of sports and um yeah, I took it up one summer and we, we grew up like five minutes from a golf course. So started on a nine hole partiary course and just being being competitive like we were. I was trying to beat her. She was trying to beat me and just kind of all snowballed from there. And um, yeah, figured out after a bit that we were we were actually pretty good at it. And yeah, just kind of went from there. As I say, you mentioned there that you played other sports. I know that you did swimming and other things. Was Were you just very sporty children? You loved getting involved with everything. Yeah, I think so. I think dad dad's big into sport himself, so he kind of just we tagged along with him to to football matches, and um he taught us in school as well. So like we just we yeah we just did everything together. We were quite outdoorsy as kids, so um there was no iPads and and phones back in those days. So it was kind of out in the garden playing with whatever ball and stick and and everything we could find. And um yeah, it was it was I think a good way of doing it and yeah a lot of team sports growing up as well so that's that's the nice thing with with Solheim I suppose coming up that we actually get a chance to to play some team golf for a change. Of course and in terms of when you kind of figured that you were good at golf (laughs) and that maybe golf could be your thing what age were you when that happened? Probably about 13 or 14 I would say I think um like where we grew up there was there was no other girls playing we used to we used to play with the lads in the local club and stuff and they let us play on their teams until we got to about 14 or 15 and we'd play in their competitions and things like that. We were just happy enough to, to beat each other. We weren't really worried about what other people were doing or, or had any concept of, of how good we are outside of each other. So um, it probably wasn't until we started going to, to bigger competitions around Ireland. And um, I think we went to the Scot- the Scottish like under 16. Um, one year when we were like 13, 14, won the Irish Lace close, we were 13, stuff like that. I think then it started to become a more on our radar that, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, we're actually pretty good at this. And you mentioned competitions there. Well, you and Lisa do hold the record for kind of 
being the twins who played on the let but also made the cut on the let when you're just 12 years old <laughs> talk me through that like what was that like teeing it up in your first tournament you're 12 years old you've only been playing for a couple of years uh how was that experience yeah i mean it was a bit surreal it was quite daunting um we played up in northern Ireland, up in hilton top patrick um I think we were just kind of in awe of all the different girls with their tour bags and their names and their bags and that just looks so cool and, and all of that. And um, it, it was obviously a very long golf course. I think there was a lot of the par fours we couldn't like reach into. So we were just having to like chip and putt from everywhere and get up and down for, for pars and things like that. But I suppose we were probably hitting it so straight back then we didn't get into any trouble. So it probably wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, no, I, I remember it quite well being, yeah, very nervous. And then... Um, obviously enjoyed it then we played and um Lisa Hall won that week and I remember just watching her around the chipping green watching her chipping watching her putting and, and thinking how how good all these girls were and um yeah we were fortunate enough to play in, in a few Irish Opens as well in, in Killeen Castle and watch Suzanne win and watch Sophia Staffson win and I'm playing with Lexi Thompson and Stacey Lewis and they're sort of memories that you you always hold on to you learn so much in those in those moments and then that that's when you kind of you look at them and go yeah I'd, this I'd like this for me to be my life um one day it's pretty cool and you mentioned some of those people uh who were your heroes growing up that you looked up to in golf yeah I mean when when we started playing golf Patrick Harrington was was winning his majors so um he was the big one here in Ireland Darren Clark um won British Open as well and and those guys so they were the big the big heroes sort of in Ireland we we were fortunate enough to go to the Ryder Cup in 2006. I got to watch Darren and Paul and Podrick sort of fly the flag there and, and beat the local heroes. So that was really cool. And then um, I suppose in terms of ladies golf, it there wasn't a lot of it on show here in Ireland. Um, it wasn't until we, we went to home internationals and, and got to watch Beanie um, win in Lytham. That was sort of the first time I'd seen ladies golf, like really up close on that level. And um, Suzanne would have been a big hero getting to play practice rounds with her at the Irish Open. And um, Annika, obviously, as well, and um, players like that, I think, um, definitely were sort of role models for us growing up. And I think more so as well, being sisters, I think, competing in sports, we always looked to the Williams sisters, even though it wasn't it wasn't golf, but tennis was similar enough, and the sort of rivalry was there, and they used to have to play each other in finals and, and things like that. So we kind of looked to them as well. I was going to say, how much has uh, it been a great support, and does it mean to you the fact that you and Lisa have been able to have this journey together throughout the whole thing? Yeah, it's been massive. Um, I, we were fortunate enough to yeah do junior golf and amateur golf and play on Irish teams together and junior solimes and Curtis Cups and and all of that and then go to college together and yeah, like she's still she's still a massive part of my team and um works for Modest Golf behind the scenes and does a lot of takes care of a lot of stuff that that I don't have to worry about. So uh, she's she's even been she's made a few guest appearances on the bag as well um, over the last few years. So yeah, she's a she's a huge part of my journey and um. It'll be nice to have her uh, alongside us at the Solheim Cup again this year. And are there any funny stories that you have from you two throughout your days of playing? Of playing? Um, oh, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I, I do remember the, the first Irish clothes we played. So we used to, mum used to dress us in, in the same clothes when we were younger. And um, when we got to the Irish close final in Westport, one of our first finals, we were, we were obviously dressed the same in semi-finals. And at lunchtime, one of the referees came up to mum was like, they need to change. We we won't be able to announce who who's won what hole and, and keep track of the score. So I need one of them to go and change their outfit so that we can tell the difference. So we used to have like those what joy, my joys, which are, you used to get your name on them and 
her coach had got us a pair as well. So a lot of people would just look at the shoes and then figure out who was who. But um, people still get us mixed up like decently often. Um, uh, she probably won't like me mentioning this, but but Beanie and Trish Johnson did get us mixed up at at Aramco in London and Centurion a few weeks ago. So still, uh, the people still get us mixed up uh, quite often, which is which is funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I saw that really good photo of the pair of you playing uh, in the Ping Junior Solheim Cup as well. Um, just tell us about that tournament and and how does that prepare you? I've heard a lot of players even come on this podcast. And we spoke to a lot of players that that tournament in particular is really good in terms of getting them ready not just for the Solheim Cup, which obviously you're playing in, but but tour life in general. So just tell us about the memories from that week and, and how it's helped you now. Yeah, I mean, a really cool week. Um, I suppose we were fortunate enough to be able to play in two of them, one in, one in Chicago and then one in Ireland, which was, was unbelievable. And um, yeah, played foursomes together. And um, yeah, like it, it's it's one of the things you go and you play and you it's the first time you kind of are used to playing with people that you're used to playing against, whether it's the Spanish players, or the French players, or the Swedish players, and you all come together for, for that week. And we had Karen Cope for our captain the first time and then Lotte Neumann the second time. And, you, you know, you do your thing and you you battle it out and then you go watch the big Solheim. Um, and we got, we got to go play like nine holes on the courses in like a like a exhibition match on, on one of the practice days and you get to meet all the players. And it's just really cool to be up close and, and see them do their thing and then, I suppose it's it's nice to come full circle then and actually make the big team yourself. And I know myself and Sophia, we, we were on the team together in, in 2009 in Rich House Farms. And then we were looking back last time in Toledo of, of the old photos of us with our with our face paint and our flags and our ribbons and, and all of that from our junior days. And um, it's pretty cool to have come full circle to be to be on a team together, um, whatever, like 10, 12 years later. Yeah, that is awesome. And a big question: Do you remember the first time you met Suzanne and what she was like? Yeah, me and Lisa played nine holes with her at, at an Irish Open um, in a practice round. Um, being quite intimidated and quite scared, we probably didn't say very much. We were we were pretty shy back then, so I, I doubt we we said very much. We were kind of just of sort of in awe on her of of all her Nike gear and just um. Yeah, she just uh, was a very cool and competitive customer back then. But to be fair, she couldn't have been nicer. And I think that was the thing that, that stuck with both of us, that here's a, a legend of the game, one of the best players in the world. And yet she is, she is the time and to to play with two little 14, 15-year-olds at the time who um, were just excited for her to be there. So, um, yeah, that that was really cool. Yeah, and it must make you even more excited to, to play under her this summer, I guess. Yeah, I mean she's she's been there. She's done pretty much everything there has to do in in the Solheim Cup. Um, if you look back, I suppose that at nearly every highlight reel of of Solheim Cups, there she is holding a big pot when she needs to or, or pulling off a shot. So um, yeah, I think uh, every single one of us will will want to do our very best uh, for her and and to help bring the the trophy back to Europe. Yeah, and we can't wait. Well, going back to your amateur career, then um, I know you mentioned earlier Duke University, um, going over to North Carolina. Just tell us what was that whole experience like? Obviously, you and your sister, girls from Ireland, moving over to their big sporting college, of course, huge of their basketball, but really good golf team too. Just tell us about that. Yeah, it was definitely a bit of an adjustment, obviously. Um, didn't know really what to expect, I suppose. It was nice, obviously, that we had the, the two of us were there together. So being that far away from home, it was nice to have both of us there in the, in the same place. And it was, it was quite a heavy European team when we were there. Celine was there. Uh, Virginia was there at the same time Annabella was there so it was nice to have sort of Europeans as well being that far far away from home um, and Duke had a, had an unbelievable record both in basketball and, and women's golf Coach Brooks is, is one of the most successful golf coaches there are so um, 
yeah, I mean, we just had access to the best of everything. It was the weather was was great. The facilities were phenomenal. Coaching, we just really we got treated so well, and and you were given absolutely every opportunity to succeed, and um, that that was a big sort of learning curve and a, and a great environment to sort of grow and thrive both as sort of golfers, athletes, and, and as people as well. You had to sort of balance your golf and your schoolwork and your friends and, and all of that and make sure you got everything done. So it was you were juggling a lot of things, but at the same time, it was it was a lot of fun as well, getting to know all the other athletes and going to watch different sports and cheer everybody on. And um, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I bet. And what was Celine like as a teammate, as a fellow college student? Yeah, I mean, I think we were very competitive when we were there. I think we were, we were quite similar. We were both quite quiet and shy. And then when we got on the golf course, very competitive. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great to have have their, her there and learn from her for two years. When when I came to Duke, it was she was the best player, in, I think, in the world and, and in the country at the time. So it was great to see how she practiced and did her thing. And she was so professional and methodical and, and everything about everything she did, whether it was in school or golf or, or that. And then... Um, yeah, it was um, it was great to have her there and um, nice to sort of been on two Solheim Cups together since and, and see how our journeys have, have progressed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had Georgia Hall on here a few weeks ago and this was actually before her crazy two weeks where she won uh, the Evian Championship and the Scottish. And Georgia was saying, I think she's so underrated. She, you know, she goes under the radar a bit. She doesn't perhaps get, get you know, the praise she deserves. And now she's gone on this unbelievable run and is arguably you know one of the best players in the world at the minute so you know how has it been like to see that this past month yeah I mean not I think anybody that knows today knows that that it's not surprising um she's obviously incredibly talented works works incredibly hard Um, always knew when we were at Duke she'd be she'd be one of the first people on the range and one of the last to leave um whether it was her putting or hitting or, or whatever it was she was she was unbelievably driven so I think it was only a matter of time before this this all happened and um yeah, it's great to see her doing doing so well, and um, great to see uh, yeah, a fellow fellow European doing so well in 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 the world of golf. So um, yeah, hopefully she's she's enjoying it, and uh, it's yeah, it's fantastic to see. Yeah, absolutely. Bears well for for September too. And final one then for me on your brilliant amateur career in the end. You and uh, Lisa both went off to the twenty sixteen Olympics. Obviously, um, your sister on your bag. Just tell us, especially coming in as an amateur, like what was that whole experience like? That must have been very surreal. And, and do you have any stories from it? Yeah, I mean, it was re- it was really cool. It was kind of it, it wasn't really on my radar. I didn't think it was possible as an amateur to to play in the Olympics. And then um, mm. I finished second at the Buckinghamshire um, at that event, that LETV. I got a like an invite that summer after my freshman year of college and obviously got a lot of world ranking points from that. And then I um, remember getting a phone call from Paul McGinley and saying, okay, now there's a chance for you to make the Olympics. And I kind of went, oh, that's, didn't expect that, but but that's really cool. And then played a couple of majors, qualified for a couple of majors and got more points like that. And yeah, it, it was it was very surreal. I mean, the Olympics are something you grow up watching um, as a kid. I remember Athens and Beijing and London and, and watching, following it all on the TV. And then e- even in Rio, the fact that, golf is always that second week near the end we we didn't fly for the opening ceremony or anything like that so we were at home watching like the athletics and the, the swimming and, and all of that and then all of a sudden you're there and you're in the village and you're in the massive dining hall where there's thousands of people and every sort of food you can imagine and the 24-hour McDonald's and you see Usain Bolt walk by and you see Serena Williams walk by and I think that's where it's it kind of hits and you're like oh wow I'm I'm here with some of the best athletes in the world and you know we got we got to 
to go to the pool and watch Michael Phelps last race and like sit behind the blocks and got to go to the track and watch Usain Bolt in the relay and, and things like that. It was just, they're, they're memories that it kind of almost takes you back to being a little kid that you're there almost, yes, you're there to compete yourself, but you're almost there as a fan as well. And so I think for, for anybody that, that likes sport, that it's just the, it's one of those once in a lifetime events that is one thing watching on TV, but being there and walking around the village, you're just trying to soak it all up and, I think we were Ireland's always a small team, um. So there was great camaraderie with with all the athletes. We we went to watch and support each other and cheer on other sports and and things like that. So that was really cool. And staying in the village and uh, I compared it a lot to college. It was very similar to college, just on obviously a much bigger and like grander scale. Um. So I think it was nice to have that experience in Rio of the full sort of experience as opposed to Tokyo, which was a lot more scale back and with COVID and everything. So it was nice to to have the experience of both. Yeah, you must be looking forward to playing uh, next year in Paris. Yeah, I mean, again, unbelievable venue, and you can already see the videos of the opening ceremony and how cool they're going to do things. So, um, fortunate enough to go to to two two closing ceremonies. I don't know if we're going to get to go to the the opening ceremony this time, but um, it's nice that it's a little bit closer to home. Um, and so hopefully some some friends and family might be able to travel over this time. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to it. And you mentioned there that obviously you did that whilst still at college. So what was the point at college where you um, were thinking about turning pro? Did you ever think that you weren't going to complete college, that you might have turned pro earlier? Or was it always the plan to do the full years at school if you could? Yeah, I, mean, I think when I when I went there, the plan was always to do four years. And then I remember freshman year, my first year, um, I, I won the Annika Award and all that. And I remember coming out of the presentation and met one of the other players and I went, so when are you turning pro? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I hadn't even really thought about it. it. wasn't on my radar at all. And then was second in the Buckinghamshire. And then people were like, oh, you're turning pro now. And I was like, no, don't think so. <laughs> Going back to college. And then sort of every year after that, it was all those questions of like, when are you turn pro? When are you turn pro? And um, obviously there was people played Curtis Cops and then Bronte had turned pro and, and different people had turned pro. And it was kind of like Charlie obviously turned pro young. Lydia Coe had turned pro young. Georgia had turned pro without going to college. And, I think there was this myth that you went to college and you got worse and it was kind of oh don't be careful don't stay there too long or you will get worse or you'll miss the boat and I remember anytime I played in a pro event the overarching sentiment from the girls on tour was always the LPGA is going nowhere uh stay in school get your education the tour will always be here uh don't rush it things like that so um yeah I mean my parents are both school teachers so education was always always important and uh, yeah, there was times in, in college where I, I thought about turning pro and you saw girls that you grew up playing and doing well in the LPGA and be like oh I'd, I'd like to be doing that or like I said did well in the box and did well in like British Opens and things like that and handed back the big checks and it was, people were going if you didn't turn pro this is what you'd have got this summer and, and things like that so um, tried not to focus on that too much but no there was there was times I entered Q school a couple of times and um, had my symmetric card then when, when I turned pro um, straight away out of college so I mean I always said going to Duke was was one of the best decisions and and staying there I think was was one of the best ones as well I was I was fortunate enough to be in that environment for for four years and um it, it really helped me grow and, and develop and then when I did turn pro I, I think I was more ready for the demands of, of pro life because I don't think people realize what goes into sort of life on tour it's it is a full-time job and the travel and, and everything that goes on behind the scenes it's not just it's not just playing golf um, and I don't think as a 16, 17, 18 year old, I'd have been, been even close to being ready for that. 
Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned obviously Q series there, and the fact that obviously you had entered a couple of times. What what's that process like? We we speak to everyone about it, and it's something that every golfer has to go through. Um, but what was that like for you? Yeah, Q series is a very strange week. It's um, everybody there's a sense of unease. I think um that nobody really wants to be there. It's kind of you do it once and you hope you never have to do it again. And it's it's the one tournament I always found strange. It was the one tournament that people didn't care if they won. They just wanted to qualify. It was finishing that top 15 or top 20 or, or whatever it was um, to, to advance and get through. So it's there's the, the stakes seem a bit higher that week. It's everybody's a bit more on edge. Um, just not a particularly pleasant week. And, and I've done it. I did it, did it in Florida for LPJ, did it in, in Morocco for LETQ school. Um, so I, I missed that year in, in 2018, I missed LPJ Q school by a shot, obviously was incredibly disappointed. And then, so I had to pick myself up and dust myself off. And then went to LETQ school in Morocco, um, and spent two weeks in Morocco, was had to do the pre-qualifier and then the final qualifier. And that, those two weeks felt like two of the longest weeks I think of my life, um, playing those courses, eating spaghetti bolognese pretty much every day for, for lunch and dinner. And um, I think we we got home like two days before Christmas or something like that. So it was a, it was a nice Christmas present and things like that to be to be over and done with Q school and, and things like that. But yeah, like I said, it's it's one of those things you do once and you hope you, you never have to do it again. Absolutely. And you mentioned before, obviously, turning professional, you then played on the LPGA in your debut and then a week later you're on Symmetra, now known as Epsom. Um, but you did record your first hole in one um, as a professional at that tournament. Talk me through that. What was that like? Yeah, they were kind of like a sort of surreal few weeks. Um, Tour Pro played in the shop ride, played really well there. And um, I suppose that, that place I'll always have sort of special memories, knowing that was that was my first pro start and, and things like that. And then, yeah, I went to so it was sort of big crowds, always at ShopRite. It was um great buzz about the event. And then we, we got on a little plane and went to Decatur, Illinois, which was kind of middle of nowhere, soybean fields, cornfields, things like that. And it was it was a bit bizarre. Um and then yeah, I got my first hole in one. Um no no car, no nothing for it, just the, the ride of the hole in one. But um I suppose a, a special memory to sort of in my second week as a pro. I haven't had many hole in ones since. So um <laughs> Yeah, started it off well, but uh, need to need to add a few more as well. And also, when you turned pro, so you signed with Modest Management, um, yourself and Lisa. Um, what have they been like? Obviously, so the support that you've had from Modest throughout the years and from now and that company. Yeah, they've been great. I mean, they've they kind of were a, a young up and coming company when when I've started, and it's it's been nice to see them grow and develop alongside my career as well. And um. Niall's obviously very passionate about golf and about growing the game and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, they've they've been a huge help sort of behind the scenes, taking care of a lot of things so that all I have to do is, is focus on my golf. So been, I've I've been very lucky my, my whole career, um, junior amateur golf, professional golf, all the way up to have a fantastic team behind me. And it does really help when you're sort of week in, week out traveling and playing and that you don't have to worry about the things behind the scenes that you know it's it's all taken care of and and all that you have to do is, is go out and play golf and then we'll talk about your first win on the LPGA what was that like finally getting over the line you've been playing so well beforehand um and yeah finally being able to get the trophy in your hands yeah I mean I think that's that's the funny thing about winning you never really think it's going to happen until it actually happens um I had I think I was leading the week before um and kind of messed up the last day and had 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 fallen behind but um 
yeah, went into that week. We had like a lot of rain delays and um, it was up in Northern California. So a lot of people were sort of joking, oh, it's Irish weather this week and, and things like that. And the court, there was quite a lot of people that had come from sort of San Francisco, Irish people to, to come out and support. And it was obviously playing really well. I think I had a, a really good last day. Um, and so I had to wait around for a playoff and things like that. And um, yeah, I won at a playoff, which was was really cool. And um, it was nice to sort of get that first first win, win under my belt. And um, sort of, I suppose the big thing with, with Symmetra is is getting them top 10 cards and, and winning obviously helps helps a lot with that. So um, it was sort of a step in the right direction of sort of the first step on the journey to getting my cards. So yeah, really cool, cool moment. As I say, and then when you have come across, obviously from Symmetra up to the LPGA, what was that like? Again, another step up transitioning. Yeah, I think Symmetra or Epson, I think it's it's really good preparation for the LPGA. I think you get used to to having to make cuts, to to playing on the cut line, to, to be in contention to win playing in pro-ams, all that sort of stuff, traveling from one event to another and, and learning how to practice and how to schedule your weeks and, and things like that. So it, it was a massive learning opportunity, I think, and, and really helped me to sort of hit the ground running when I got to the LPGA. I suppose my rookie year on the LPGA was was a strange one. It was it was 2020, played, played an event in Florida, played two down in Australia, and then the whole world stopped. <laughs> and it was, we were down in Australia, we were about to go to China, um, and then had a, a huge West Coast swing in the, on the LPGA coming up. And then we went home out of Australia and everybody sort of was like, oh, it'll be a few weeks, something like that. And then, yeah, six months later, it, it started again. But yeah, it was a bit of a, a sort of strange rookie year, 2020. And then, but it was nice to sort of, I suppose, find my feet, figure out how the LPGA worked without any of the pressure of keeping a card or, or anything like that. So I suppose for, for us rookies in 2020, we got sort of almost like a bonus rookie year, which was was really nice to to find our feet and sort of ease us into the LPGA, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. And then finally, just moving on, because obviously you've got two wins in the past two seasons on tour, last year at Drive On and then this year at the Maya Classic. Um, talk me through the, the breakthrough, the <laughs> Drive On last year. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the, the the big turning point for me was was probably Meyer, um in, in 2021. Um, I'd sort of been up leading after two rounds and then Nelly made a big round on Saturday and then we sort of went toe-to-toe on Sunday and I suppose that kind of gave me confidence of knowing that I could sort of compete with the best players in the world and then show that 61 at Evian, which was a big confidence boost. And then a Solheim Cup was massive for me um, in terms of knowing that I could hit the shots when I needed to and the belief that Beanie had in me and my teammates had in me that week, that was that was just massive in terms of confidence. And I think I brought that into the, the off season and then to get that win so quickly, I think in, in 2022 was was huge. And um I had been close a few times the year before. I'd played really well in Hawaii and lost to Lydia and played really well at Meyer and lost to Nelly. And it was one of those ones where I shot 61 at Evian and that wasn't good enough. It was kind of like, is is it ever going to be good enough? I'm playing really well, but I don't know if it's quite good enough. So it was nice to get over the line that early in the season and um, sort of outlast Lexi and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was huge. And I suppose it was, it was great for Ireland as well to be the, the first Irish winner on tour. I know a lot of people have supported me for a long time and they're kind of always like, is this going to be the week? Is this going to be the week? She has a chance again. And um yeah, it was nice to to get that one, and um, I suppose the reaction from home was was very special. Yeah, and what was it like when you uh when you got home? Big celebrations, or when I mean, you mentioned the support of Ireland there, it must have been huge. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. Um, 
I suppose we're, we're lucky being from Ireland, being from such a small country, every, everybody sort of rallies behind everybody. And yeah, there was a huge, huge outpouring of, of support. Got a letter from the president of Ireland and lots of different athletes reaching out and, and things like that. So yeah, it was it was very special to be able to sort of share that with, with friends and family and, and have everybody sort of cheer me on and wishing me well. And nice to, nice to see so many other people getting joy from it as well. Yeah, that is really cool. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of Irish fans out in uh, in Spain come the end of September. I mean, who's going to be there? Do you, I guess, a lot of friends and family coming with you? Yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll, hopefully there'll be, I know there's a lot of Irish people that sort of have holiday homes and winter homes down in, in the side of Spain. So hopefully there'll be a lot of them um, showing out. I know uh, when we played in Spain at the end of last year, I played with Lane and um, a Spanish amateur and, and we were joking during that round, there was more Irish people and Swedish people following around that day than there was Spanish people. So um, hopefully there'll be a nice mix of, of everybody in, in a few weeks time but yeah I mean I suppose the last time in Toledo with, with COVID and everything Lisa was the only one that got to got to travel last time so mom and dad will, will get to go this time and they they, they went to the, the junior solheims in Chicago and, and Ireland so it'll be sort of a full full circle moment for them and, and hopefully my brother will be able to make the trip as well and um I know my aunt's going and I, I have lots of friends and family that are at her making the trip. So that'll be really cool for them. And I suppose Solheim Cup is one of those unique events that the atmosphere is, is like, like nothing else. And that first tee and, and all of that. So it'll be, it'll be really cool for them that they got to see it on TV last time and sort of they're, they're kind of guessing what the atmosphere was like and trying to, to picture it in their heads, but it'd be really cool for them to see it for, for the first time themselves and, and join in with hopefully all the, I mean, that was the one thing I remember from the junior Solheims, the, the songs on the first tee and all that. I don't know if that's going to be a thing again, but uh, hopefully there'll be, be some of that in, in Spain for them to all join in. And... Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that it's almost, obviously you were at the last Solheim, you know, you were the, you were the star of the show, but it almost feels like, like a first Solheim in a way for you as well, because it's the first one where there's going to be the crowds there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a unique one and, and, and we can't wait. Um, just a final couple ones then, Leona, before we let you go. I mean, you're obviously home at the minute uh, with an off week. Tell us what, what does Leona Maguire get up to when she's, when she's at home, when she's not playing golf, um, when she's not got a club in her hand? Just tell us about, about yourself off the course. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, it's always nice to come home. I don't, I don't get to do it as often as I would like, but um, yeah, it's been the nice thing with, with this summer, actually, the way the schedule has fallen. We've had quite a big European swing and... Um, it's nice to be home nice to sleep in my own bed for a few more than a few nights in a row and get to go home see see the dogs they're happy to see me and um doing house renovations at the minute so that's that's keeping us busy here so um there's there's a lot of decisions a lot of things to be to be done but um no I mean it's it's nice to come home see family see friends um people that I don't get to see sort of too often so nice to catch up with everybody and um nice to go out on the lake at, at home and, and do things like that, just relax and, and get away from golf as well. But I suppose with, with the Irish Open coming up next week and so on in a few weeks, it's still very much making sure I, I'm, I'm doing all my practice and, and getting ready for those events and, and trying to finish off the second half of the season as strong as we can. Yeah, that's going to be a big one next week for sure. And you touched on friends there. I mean, we had Olivia Mahaffey on the podcast last week and she was saying that you two are really close and she often reaches out for you to support. Who are like your sort of your big friends on tour and in the golf community? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the nice thing with with the tour. I think we we're all in the same position. We we travel the world together, and and you do get pr really close with people. I mean, I've known Olivia since we were 
I was probably 10 or 11 and she was probably, I don't know, seven, eight. So we, we've come a long way, as with Stephanie Meadow as well. We've we've grown up playing playing together and it was obviously nice to be at her wedding this year and, and things like that. So it's nice that there's sort of a growing group of Irish um, on tour. It's it's not as many as a lot of the other countries and hopefully it'll be, it'll be more in the next few years. But yeah, I mean, we've we've become very close over the years and nice that that friendship has, has continued on in our tour life and we... We try and help each other as much as as we possibly can, and I think when when you're in America, the Europeans definitely tend to to stick together on the LPGA. I mean, I spend a lot of time with, with Madeline Sagstrom and um play practice rounds together and have lunch together and things like that. I think the Aussies and the Europeans as well tend to to spend a lot of time together. And then I I also have my college friends that I I played college uh golf with as well. So um people like I uh, Emma Talley and Cheyenne Knight and and people like that as well. So um a, a mix I suppose a quite a mix and then play, sort of being in Orlando and I have my my Lake Nona crew as well with, with Liddy and the Gitana Garns and Annabella and, and people like that as well so um yeah a sort of real mix of of friends from sort of all around the world and um it's sort of it's really cool to sort of bounce ideas off each other and, and share the journey together yeah that is great well almost time to go then Nicola have you got any final questions for Leona I was just gonna do couple of quick favorite go things for it, go for it are you watching a tv series right now leona favorite tv oh, series favorite tv series i just i i actually watched wednesday last last week i know i was a bit late to the late to the party <laughs> but it, it was pretty cool looking forward to the next season whenever that is i think they're filming it already so hopefully it'll be out soon <laughs> uh if you were going on holiday would you do a beach holiday or like a mountain holiday Probably beach. I, I quite like water sports, so yeah, probably beach. Uh, in terms of food, what is your favourite meal? If it was the last meal that you could eat, what would it that's be? That's such a big question. There's so many choices. I mean, I do love a good like Sunday roast when I'm home. So when I'm home, that's kind of Sunday dinner, no matter what day of the week I get home. That's kind of what mom's, mom's go-to is. So um, yeah, probably Sunday dinner. And then if it's not like, if, if I'm not at home, probably Mex Mexican food probably Mexican or Thai they're probably usually my two go-tos wherever we are yeah what's the favorite or the best golf course that you've played Ooh. we kind of got spoiled this year Pebble was really cool this year yeah Pebble was really cool yeah and then finally for me uh your dream four ball so you and three other people and it could be anyone this one always changes so often depending on when people ask it um I usually always include Serena Williams. I think she'd be really cool. Um, and then um, I try not to pick golfers for because I feel like that's that's yeah, just that's a bit good. predictable. But uh, I, I always think like Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds would be really cool to play with. I always like switch them. <laughs> I don't know about for golf, but like a dinner party, yes, they'd definitely be really cool. They're always really cool on like funny on like Twitter and Instagram and, and whatever. Um, I know they're obviously involved in, in football in Wales now. So um yeah, sure. We'll we'll pick them, and then have I one more, or is that it? Is that four? That's for well, if you're playing yourself. If you don't want to yeah, play, you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> that's four. Lisa can carry me for me. She'll she'll enjoy <laughs> the the fun and games. I'll not leave her out. I think that's fair. I think that might be the best four ball we've actually had on here. Everyone always comes on and just says Tiger and Rory. Predictable. I feel so. like I feel like that's but, predictable. That's also like kind of possible. I feel like better going with ones that probably will never ever happen. Yeah. No, that's a great one to finish on. So, yeah, you're definitely winning our dream four ball questionnaire now. So, <laughs> well done, Leona. Um, no, we'll let you go now because I know you've got a busy day of uh, 
media obligations and practice and whatnot. Um, obviously, we'll see you next week in Ireland. But yeah, thank you for joining us, Leona, and, and best of luck for the rest of the season and best of luck for the Solheim Cup. Thanks, guys. It's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.